Hey, everybody. Welcome back to 30-something with Sunny. This is the podcast where we talk all about motherhood, self-care, and second chapters, big pivots or career changes. Today's guest actually is speaking to all of those things. Jessica Rolf is the founder of Love Every, which is a company that curates play kits for children, babies, children, depending on their developmental stage. This is so cool. I um, was really interested in talking with Jessica, not only about the passion behind this current project that she's doing with Love Every and why this means so much to her, but also learning about her past career and job and what led her to this second chapter. Gosh, she is really inspiring, guys. You're going to hear the passion in her voice when we talk in a few minutes. But um, you know me, I love connecting with women who have made successful pivots in picking their brains about what it's like to make that jump from one space to another. So we dig into so much in this episode. First, before I get into um, more on Love Every, I just want to say to all of you parents who are homeschooling right now, listen to me. I see you. I feel your pain. I feel your joy when the day is done. What a six weeks this has been, my friends. Um, If you follow me on Instagram, you have seen my um, breakdowns might be a strong word to use, but my difficult moments, maybe we'll say, it's really hard to teach kids. I bow down to the educators. My father was a teacher for 30 years, 30 plus years. So I have always been really um, pro-teacher in grateful for the uh, the immense contributions they make to our children's development and well-being. I'm all for like paying teachers more. Let's like treat these people well. But now more than ever, like we need to figure out a way to just send all of the teachers of the world on like an all expenses paid, I don't know, luxury cruise or something to thank them or raise their salaries considerably because these people are saints. And I know you know what I'm talking about if you've been educating your own child at home. So anyway, okay. Um, I just wanted to say I see you. We're going to do a solo episode kind of processing this past six weeks in the upcoming weeks. I just have to find time to do it. I've been alone all day with three kids in the house. And it is work. W-E-R-K. So I can't record for too long without getting like busted in on. But when I get some help again, I'm going to do a solo episode. We're going to talk all about this because there's so much to process. Anyway, I want to tell you about Jessica Rolf. I know you're going to love this interview. She is incredibly inspiring. Um, Before she started Love Every, she had already inhabited the space of baby and children's products. Jessica was a co-founding partner of the organic baby food company Happy Baby. I know you know that brand. She helped to bring organic, ready-to-eat food options to families everywhere. Inspired by her interest in the developmental stages of babies and toddlers, she went on to found Love Every, a company that curates boxes that cater to the different developmental stages of children, from infant through the toddler years. Their motto is playtime with purpose. Now, all of this came about organically for Jessica. She developed a real interest in the development of our children's um, minds and brains on her own. Jessica read a study on the neurological development of infants and became inspired to create this company. So I ripped this from their website so you can understand um, what makes Love Every's product and approach a little different. So if you'll allow me to quote for a minute, um, through reading a study on the neurological development of infants, Jessica learned that the human brain has about 100 billion nerve cells, all of which are present at birth, but have few links between them. Babies' brains develop by constructing an intricate communication network. 
The network structure is formed by experiences children have in the first three years of life. The research revealed the more you expose babies to how the world works, the richer the neural networks become. Jessica's takeaway was that early development experiences wouldn't just happen on their own, so she had to create them. Jessica wanted to share what she had learned with other parents, end quote. And that is where Love Every comes in. So quickly, before we get to the interview, I want to say that Love Every was kind enough to send one of their companion kits and block sets to us. We have our little girls about to turn three. Our baby, our youngest of three, is going to be three in just a couple of weeks. Sob! So I... um. I was curious to see if she would really enjoy something. The companion kit technically is for um, kids who are approaching to or just turned to. I mean, at least that's what it says on the website. But let me tell you something. She loved every single thing in the companion kit. There are two books that came in there that we read every night. They have this little color-coded kind of um, puzzle thing that she constantly plays with. The block set is out right now in our office. She sits and plays with it while I do work. So um, we get a ton of runs out of these things. And uh, that's not typical for my kids to be that interested in one toy for that period of time. So thank you to Love Every. Enjoy this episode, guys. I know that you will take so much away from Jessica's wisdom when it comes to kids all the way through um, career advice. So enjoy. I will be back, as always, on the flip side to tell you more about Love Every and where to find them online. Enjoy. All right, guys, I am so excited to have Jessica with me to talk more about Love Every. Jessica, I know this is not your first business. This is not the first, um, you know, thing that you've nurtured in addition to your children from inception all the way through. And I want to know what came before Love Every, because I feel like we have a lot of listeners here who are what I call second chapters or third third even or fourth, I mean, people that are on this um, path of reinvention and particularly when it applies to a profession or a career, it can, it can make people a little nervous, but you are proof that um, you can have multiple successes if you take a chance. So I want you to tell our listeners where you came from before you started Love Every, because that story is just as interesting. Thank you. So I will say that it is so hard to to take a second leap and we can get into that later. And I can talk about some of the emotions that you can feel after being successful with something or what something that you feel proud of, that you feel like you perceived a success, then taking that risk again. So um, can be really hard. So my first business um, that I helped to start and scale was called, is called Happy Family. So we're now the number one organic baby food company in the country, which I'm so proud to say. And when we started, only 3% of all babies were eating organic food. And we found that there was just this huge opportunity to bring deeper intention around nutrition to early life. So at the time, it was like, partially hydrogenated oil and teething biscuits and you know, jars were kind of the thing. And so um, my co-founder and I created Happy Family and scaled that business um, to what sounds like this crazy number, but we got to 63 million in sales and in seven years and sold the company to Group Danone. Um, along that journey, I have three children of my own and I felt so good about what I was feeding my little people. So I was like, you know, they were eating sardines at one and, you know, they're, they're, were just really, really great eaters. And I knew so much about nutrition. I kind of gone into the deep science around what children need to eat at each stage. But I found myself wondering, especially we were actually playing with one of those plastic toys, you know, with the, all the stuff that lights up. I'm sure you've seen them or have them. Oh, yes. Um, they're kind of, they're kind of unavoidable, but I remember my little guy was pulling up to one of those plastic tabletop toys and 
I was down on the floor with him because I was really craving a moment of connection. You know, we're all so busy and I was just like, okay, this is going to be our playtime. And I found myself watching him as he pulled himself up to this little, this toy and he pushed one button and all of a sudden it was like, lights were flashing and this like purple cows popping out and music is playing. And I just felt myself feeling really disconnected from him and didn't really know what this toy was doing for his developing brain. And so it set me on this journey and I discovered this doctoral thesis written on infant brain development. And it sounds crazy that um, I would go deep into this, but I, I will send it to anybody who asks. <laughs> it's, it's such an interesting perspective on kind of what children need in their environment to help them thrive and grow from a more complete perspective. And I realized that there's so much to know about early life and early childhood development that is just not reaching parents. And so I started dreaming about creating Love Every. And I have to say it was a really vulnerable transition because when you feel like you've gotten been successful, um, you can, and I remember we were going out to raise money for my second company. So I have a great new co-founder. His name is Rob Morris. He's brilliant. And I could see the doubt in people's eyes when they were thinking about, you know, are we, are, are they, is she going to be able to do this again? And so I, I have a lot of heart for the emotional resilience that it takes to do a second career and a second dream. Yeah, I, I, it really is. It, it's incredibly admirable because I think you mentioned this other people perhaps doubting your ability to do that, but we have so much self-doubt too as women. And so many of the women that I've connected with beyond my profession, first professional career, um, would always just say, you know, how did you know, or like, what do you do to take that leap of faith? I think the answer is you're never really quite sure, but what advice, but you take the chance because you feel that you need to, what advice do you have? And I'm going to definitely circle back and I want to hear obviously more about Love Every and how you guys customize your toys and and um, help kids to hit all those developmental marks. But I, I want to kind of dive into this since we're here. What do you tell people who are on the precipice of either starting a new business or starting a new job or making some change that'll disrupt who they were? How do you tell them to tap into what they should do? Yeah. So I'm hesitant to give advice because it's so hard to put ourselves in other people's position. But I will say for, for me, when you're nurturing a new dream and you are still needing to kind of sustain your life, uh, it can be, it can be really hard to balance those things. And I would say that there's not only is there the financial balance, but there's also this emotional balance. So you, you know, oftentimes you have to keep one foot in and keep doing your quote unquote day job while you are thinking about your next, your next gig or your next dream. But you also have to think about kind of the emotional context. And I often, when you have a new idea or a business that you're nurturing, it can be super vulnerable to, to think about it before it's out in the world. So it's all in your head, right? So it's like, one day you wake up and you think you're creating this wildly successful vision. I'm going to transform parenting and create a support system for parents. And it's going to be beautiful. We'll have a subscription program and um, we'll make everything ourselves. And then the next day you are really burdened with the, all the hurdles and all the challenges that it takes to get to that place. And it, you can also be vulnerable to having like the wrong conversation with the wrong person, right? Somebody who isn't encouraging or, um, 
for my businesses, we've raised money before we've launched. And that is such a tricky process. And it's so, so, so hard. And you can see doubt in people's eyes when you're, when you're giving them the pitch, it's just really disheartening. And so my advice is to break it down. That next thing always has a next step. So the big dream always has a next step and to break it down into those kind of like micro steps that you can take each each day or um, multiple things that you want to get done each day and kind of set your emotions aside. Say, whether I'm feeling excited about this dream today or not, I'm still going to move forward and I'm going to put this, I'm going to take this next step uh, can be really helpful when you're thinking about um, making that leap. And what did that look like for you, practically speaking, when it came to launching a business? I know for us on the content creation side, I always tell people, if you want to do a blog, you know, go to WordPress, you know, pick a theme you like. I mean, there, there were tiny micro steps. For someone who's launching in, in a space where you are, where there is actual physical product or things like that, what, what did that look like practically for you, those baby steps? Yeah. So I can talk about some of the testing that we did for Love Every before we launched. Um, it's, there's so much to learn about kind of like when you make a product, it's real and in the world and you can definitely change it and fix it along the way, but you've got inventory and you put money down on that inventory. And so you want to see what you can do to get, to get it right before you launch it. You want to kind of do everything you can to get feedback. And so there's this very kind of sophisticated school of design thinking at Stanford. And I've, I've never been to the school of design thinking at Stanford, but there are publications that have written about the process of how do you get feedback in kind of a gritty way. Um, but in a way that gives you some really meaningful results. And so with Love Every, we found um, 25 families, some babies that were across the country. And some of them were people that were like friends of friends. We tried to stay away from too much of that because we didn't want people to be biased and like tell us nice things because they didn't want to hurt our feelings. And we simulated this experience of having um, a box of products that we created along with information about what's happening in that stage in development. Um, and we sent it to them. And then we went around and visited their homes. And I will tell you that some of the prototypes were so ugly. They were so embarrassing. <laughs> it was like the, you have this great idea and then all of a sudden you see it made and you're, you know, you're, you're like hacking it together and some you're laminating um, things like the visuals are so, it, it's, so there is actually something really embarrassing about walking to somebody's house and you've given them something that you're really not proud of. And frankly, according to design thinking, you shouldn't be proud of it because the rougher, the prototype, the more um, real, the feedback will be, but you walk into their home just with so much humility and you hear them kind of like, um, you know, tear apart what you've built, but then also give you hope and give you insight into what is working. And so then we, so we followed these babies for a whole year and we gave them six of these boxes and kind of simulated the love every experience and learned so much. And I think the biggest thing that we learned is um, headline, everybody wants the best for their children. And I know that sounds simple, but I actually needed to hear that reinforced because sometimes, um, it's just, it's just so much work being a parent and you don't know how much people want to read or want to do and feel like we didn't want to have it at all feel like an obligation of like, you need to do these activities with your baby and we didn't want it to feel heavy. And so, um, I would say if you're inventing a product and you're thinking about a product, if you can figure out how to, in a small, very small scale, hack together a prototype and get people to give you feedback, that's mm -hmm. the best, the best way to get insight. I feel like we need to get into love every, I've been so like into this, how you've been able to have so much success that I've like totally forgot to talk about the products themselves. We did speak a little bit about it in the intro, but 
Tell us about these play kits and this, um, this entire concept you came up with, which by the way, also got um, a nod from Time Magazine, Best Inventions, was it 2018? Yeah, yeah, that was, that, that was so really cool. fun. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, it was, a, it was, a, oh, thank you. Well, it, you, you've been very kind. I will say that as women, we do love to look up to each other. And so <laughs> often as we often look at like, kind of like what we don't have, and I will tell you, there's lots of things that I feel like I still need to um, figure out in life. But one of the things that I do feel so in flow with is, um, is just, is, is making things that feel purposeful and meaningful and really connecting to, um, kind of what, what, what babies want, what they're hungry to learn and then what parents want in their homes. Um, cause I think that we're kind of over a lot of the stuff that we've been sold. Um, I look around, looked around at my, my son's playroom and I was just kind of like grossed out. And so I think that there's a lot that, um, there's a lot that we can do to kind of improve and elevate, um, how we think about childhood development, how we think about the stuff that we have in our homes and, um, and also just kind of craving whether you're, have got time, um, you know, no matter, no matter what, how much time you have with your child, just making those moments meaningful. And so Love Every, we're stage-based learning. We're all about trying to help parents feel that connection that you can feel when you really understand what your child is, is trying to learn about the world. And so we have tools and activities and products that come over time as your child grows. And it's a subscription service, right? So when you're signing up, obviously you're sort of coordinating it to your child's current age. The toys kind of develop as they're growing as well. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of like, of, um, media on subscription businesses. And I think one of the things that we kind of fell into it ourselves because, um, children evolve constantly. And I found myself on Amazon, like searching for what are the best toys now. And there's this, there's this kind of like weird gaps where you just don't know what to do with a five and six month old. Like this sort of like, they're kind of done with some of the TV toys that you don't know what's next. And, um, I always found myself having trouble, like figuring out what actually was, was, was great for each age. And so we wanted to solve that for parents. And so how do you come up with what goes out to your customers and their children? Because I've been a parent for only seven years now, but long enough to know that trends change, it seems monthly, and it's really difficult to keep up with um, the science sort of behind all this. So how, who informs your choice, you know, the process of choosing some of these items? Yeah, there's just actually so much science in, in early life. And, and in like, I've been talking to, we've been talking to researchers and looking at Montessori and Waldorf and these schools of thought, and also, um, OTs and people who study early childhood development, there's actually a ton of science that is not reaching parents. So it's not like the science is necessarily changing every day in this, in this realm. There's just a huge body of knowledge that we have around how children develop, but it's kind of stuck in therapy. It's stuck in preschools. It's not really reaching parents. And so if you strip away what like we traditionally think of as a toy, you know, children actually don't like stuffed animals to a, to an infant, like doesn't really mean much, but if you give them, um, a, what two identical balls and one of them is really heavy and one of them is really light, they can start to understand and do experiments on floating and sinking and all sorts of things. So it's kind of taking away what the adult notions of what we think of as a toy and really building it up based on what a child is really wanting to learn at that moment. So walk us through some of the, um, you know, for parents out there who are, are interested in the idea or really want to push their, their child's development as much as they can. 
What, for example, um, does that zero to three month stage need? What kind of stimulation or activity are you focusing on there? Yeah. So newborns are so adorable and so special. Um, and I, it's such an interesting stage. So they're really stretching. One of the biggest things as a, from a physical state is that they're stretching out of the womb position. So if you think of it, they actually grew in a curled up position. And so the more, the big insight, like the headline on newborns for, for, um, gross motor development. So like for their body development is to give them as much time flat on the floor as possible. And that can be on their backs or on their sides or, you know, sometimes on your chest or on the, on their tummy. Um, but from that zero to three month age, they're really trying to kind of stretch out, um, cognitively their, their eyes are one of the least developed senses, um, at birth because they, they weren't able to really stimulate that sense very much in the womb, but they have, but that's really the way that they're taking in the world. They can't, proactively reach out and grab something and touch it, um, yet. And so they really want to look at things. And so we have a progressively, um, a progressive hunger for increasingly complex black and white images. So we give babies, I love to give babies like very simple images at first and then get more complex and help them track moving objects with their eyes. Um, so there's a lot of fun things you can do to promote eye development and help them stretch out of the womb. What about three months to, like you said, that stage right before walking? So let's say nine, 10 months. Um, they're like getting less squishy. That's not a scientific term, but <laughs> it's what I use to describe mm -hmm. newborns. They're going from squishy baby to like sitting up and kind of doing their own thing. Are there some um, things that you specifically look for that stage? Yeah. I mean, after the kind of newborn, it goes into the mouthing phase and they'll be deep into mouthing things. And I think oftentimes as parents, we think like, don't put that in your mouth. Oh, so gross. Like they're grabbing things from all over and sucking on them and putting them in their mouth, but their mouth is such a place of sensory learning. So they're, they're really trying to get as much sensory input as they can around that three to nine, 10 month age range. Um, so they're reaching out, they're able to touch things, they're able to put them in their mouth. They're really listening and starting to tune into sounds over that, over that span. They'll go from, um, really being startled by sounds to really being able to decide what they want to tune into. Um, they're starting to make sounds themselves. So there's a lot, I mean, there's so much that you can do. One of the biggest things to do is giving them lots of language input, um, so talking to them, having this kind of like back and forth converse, quote unquote conversation with your baby research shows is, is really healthy for their development. And then giving them a lot of, like a lot of chances to, um, have time in their bellies, have time on their sides. Uh, there's oftentimes as parents, we like to try and prop them up or sit them up a little bit too early in those seats. So really noticing if your baby is, has the trunk control to, sit up, um, before you put them in like those extra saucers, um, is, is important to give them lots of floor time before they're kind of propped up in those seating devices. Um, and then just letting them kind of explore with their senses. It's, it's a really exciting time after that stage, they're able to kind of put all that sensory input together and start to form conclusions in their brain. Um, from like 10, 10 months and beyond, they're starting to able to integrate those senses, that sensory input and make sense of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would guess that after all the research you've done and I, I browsed your website and the experts that you consult with as far as what to include in these boxes and things, you probably walk through the aisles at Target and you're like, oh my God, what is happening here? <laughs> because it, you know, it, there's a lot out yeah. there to sort through for parents, but 
it's cool though, that your service makes that simple. I mean, you just go by age and it really slims it down because as any parent who's walked through a giant store knows, it can be impossible to figure out what is appropriate for your kid at that age and what's going to actually interest them. Yeah. I never understood the, like, like the, like 36 plus months or like the, the like zero plus month. I'm like, what, like help me understand a little bit more <laughs> when I'm supposed to use this and, and how and why. But yes, there's, there's a lot to sort through. There's, I will speak to also, there's just so much to sort through in terms of like um, pressures for parenting and information that we get. Like it's just coming at us in so many different directions yet. I feel like a lot of it is like really kind of watered down and, and kind of bland and hard to make turn into like, so I read this article about reading to babies and how important it is to read to your baby. Okay. I got it. I got it. But then you have all these questions like is chewing on a book. Does that count as reading? Like what if they're flipping the pages backwards or looking at it upside down? Or what if they squirm off my lap after 45 seconds, I can't get them to like sit through a book. Like, how should I feel about all of that? And I think that there's a real craving that we all have as parents today to kind of feel like there's an intention and a purpose and that we're helping our children develop, but that we're also doing it in a place that, um, from a place of reality and mm -hmm. acknowledging the realities of like our, the challenges that we have as we juggle businesses and work and, um, other siblings and being all the roles that we are in life. What have you taken away from, um, the question of what kids really need to be entertained or to learn after all of your work in, in this space now, because so frequently we hear from, you know, our parents or, or our grandparents. And it's, they say something like, you guys never had any of these toys and you turned out fine. Is that true? Like, are you finding in all of your research and work that kids do in fact need a lot less than we typically provide for them? Yeah, I have a couple of answers to that. I have so much to say on this exact topic in terms of, I, but I turned out all right. It's, it's a really, first of all, it's a very American perspective. Um, we believe generally in America that it's kind of like you get what you get. And especially in early life, like early infancy, then like young babies, that the skills naturally unfold. And there is so much truth to that. But I will say that if you think about all the things that we have in our modern life, just like there's a lot that's getting away of us kind of being like really nourished as in, from, in our bodies, um, there's a lot that's getting away of babies just having sort of like that normal, healthy development experiences. And it's just realities, right? It's like that we've got to go places. So babies are spending a lot more time in um, swings and in uh, car seats and strollers and in kind of like we call them like baby containers mm -hmm. than they are on the floor. Um, for example, another thing is that they're you know in a lot of ways like there's um, a lot of technology that not only for babies right so there's like the flashing light toys that do all of the work for the child and kind of entertain, which is really relatively new in the last like you know. 20, 30 decades, like those, those toys have come about and, um, they're, they're, they're kind of stifling creativity. Like the baby doesn't really have to discover the real life, um, cause and effect of what happens when you drop a ball into a hole out of a very simple wooden box, for example. Mm -hmm. So if the toy is doing too much work for the child, it's, it's really getting away of them learning organically. And then, there is our phones. <laughs> and I am so guilty of this as a parent. I mean, you've got a seven-year-old, so you get it. It's like that they can start asking you, mom, get off your phone. But I, I find that 
as, as infants, there's so many little bids for connection that they make with us, right? They're looking at us, they're making a little coo or a little noise. And if we have this kind of, you know, our phones, like the second you pick it up, I have like 10 things that distract me. And next thing you know, minutes have gone by and I'm just completely kind of absorbed and my brain has been hijacked by this device. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very passive way of saying it, right? Like, like I'm taking no fault of my own. Um, but, but it really, our technology and our speed is really getting in the way of us having those authentic connections. So I would say that there's a lot that's happening on the societal level that's kind of headwinds. But then on the other hand, um, I will say that the stuff and the toys and like the stuff in our, in our boxes, for example, is just 10% of what a child needs for their development. So there's like, like the rest of it is all in their environment. Like, like we love to take babies on house tours and just talking to them and showing them opening and closing cupboards is so much more fascinating than any toy that I could ever make. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's, it's, it's both. It's like thinking about how we think about society, but then also like bringing sort of like real life to um, a, chi- a child's environment. We don't need a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard not to feel guilty about the electronics that our kids consume and, and, you're right. Like if our, if we are becoming addicted to technology, I can only imagine what I'm doing to my kid when I let him play his switch or do, I mean, it's a really, I mean, motherhood in general is just incredibly guilt inducing. But when you think about all of the things that we have to factor into worrying about with our kids growing up around it, it can be overwhelming. So, um, I don't know. I just, I just like seeing company like yours that breaks it down. Yes, of course, this is just one part of how you help your child to develop and learn, but it's simple. It doesn't require a plug or a cord. And I do think that kids learn the most with the simplest things. So I just, you know, I love seeing something like that being encouraged. Yeah. And I'm grappling with that with my older, you know, my children who are a little bit older now, you know, we've been able to keep, um, so there's two sides of tech and I'm really waking up to the side of tech that's actually impacting me as a parent, my relationship with my device, right. And how that's impacting you know, let's find my husband and I are just like standing in the middle of the kitchen. The kids have gone to bed and we're both standing there on our phones, like with, you know, of course, piles of dishes. And we're about to like talk and connect and do the dishes. But there's this like really weird thing where we're just like, we find ourselves kind of like frozen in space um, with our phones. And I think that happens when we're with our kids too. So I'm really becoming more awake to that. And I'm not sure what to do about it, to be honest, because, you know, it's, it's really hard to run a life um, without, at the speed that we're running. So, and then there's the other thing is the kids and, and tech. And so we're, um, grappling with that too, because we don't want our son to be, um, to withhold it so much that then be, he, he become, it becomes this forbidden fruit, right? Cause that actually happened to my youngest with, with nutrition. So it's like, you can, you can withhold sugar to a toddler, but then at some point they're going to discover it and then they won't know how to regulate. And so I think that it it is important to give them some exposure. It's, it is the world we live in right now. So when they're a little bit older, it's a good thing. It's not a bad, it's not an all bad thing when they're older, but, but a a baby zero to three is like, you know, there's just no need. I, I would say like zero to four, zero to five, if you can, whatever you can do to not get into that, like screen time battle. Um, you know, is, is that's, that's the, that's the goal for all of us, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that's the goal. I'm like failing. My daughter said to me, my five-year-old the other day, she goes, 
put your phone down. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I've like completely. Funny. They've said it to me. I'm so, oh my God. <laughs> no, I'm in the parenting space. I'm talking to experts every day and my kids say that to me. So I totally get it. It's so hard. It really is hard. And, and we do, we have a whole host of other challenges we face as parents that no one did before. So we, we do have to be kind to ourselves. Um, I want to know what's next for Love Every, um, where you guys plan on going, how you plan on growing and expanding. Tell us what's coming up for you guys. Yeah. I mean, I think that we have a lot of parents that are really just looking for um, the next stage. So it takes us a, a, a long time to put together the, um, the testing and figure out what, like talk to all the experts and figure out what's the, you know, sort of like the best for development at each stage. And so we're, we're looking to grow with our customers. We're really excited about it. Is there any other products? I always like to um, pick people's brains for products or resources that you as a mom have felt, have found helpful over the ages and stages. So is there anything you might be able to suggest any moms out there listening? Um, and it could be like a baby product that you used years ago when you're, little ones were, were tiny, or it could be something that you're using now for your kids as they're growing up or a website you love. Just give us a few things that help keep you sane when you're taking care of the kids. Yeah, that's a great, um, that's a great question. So I really love, I have like a, a kitchen helper stool and it's bulky and big, but I, uh, but I really love it. And you can get them on Amazon. There's a bunch of different kinds, but I love it because uh, because then my, my children can be with me as I'm sort of like doing the, the stuff of life. And it's, I find it to be, it's, it's made a big difference. So it, it will adjust based on how tall your child is. It's, um, kind of big in the Montessori world. Mm -hmm. Um, it's called like a kitchen helper stool, but that has, that's kind of, that's kind of game changing in the kitchen. Cause then you can have your child have their, you know, they can like slice their bananas with their kid knife while you're trying to deal with something else. So oh, yeah, my, um, we so have been a great. learning tower too. And my now two and a half year old uses it to climb up to the island and then dance on the island. So I feel like I should oh, put that warning out there. It. It's the best though. I mean, I have to wholeheartedly secondhand that recommendation. People have come over and they're like, what is this thing that's parked up against your kitchen island? And I'm like, it's the best. I mean, she still uses it. Like I said, she's, she's two and a half and they really feel engaged when they're at your eye level. Don't you think? Yeah. My four-year-old was like scrambling eggs the other morning in her little kitchen, kitchen helper. So it actually lasts a really long time. But next thing you know, she was like, she like cracked the eggs, whisked them. Um, I mean, I was with her, but I, I let her, I let her scramble the eggs. It was so fun. She was so proud. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So before we go, I know we kind of touched on this a little bit in the beginning, but like I said earlier, one of the things I really like to talk about and focus on is this whole second chapter concept or women or moms who are out there at a stage where they feel like they need a little bit of reinvention. So any final words of, of encouragement or advice you want to offer? Because, um, like I said, with the success you've had at, at both of these companies now, I feel like they're, you need to give yourself credit, sister. That's pretty incredible. Um, you, you had to have learned a thing or two about overcoming um, adversity or um, getting to a point where people didn't think you could. So I want you to kind of leave us with any advice that you have for someone who might be scared to, um, to just take that next step. Yeah. I mean, I have to say as being somebody in, in the world, both as an employer and as a peer and as a sister-in-law and as a friend, I have so many friends who have um, been 
been making made the most amazing choice to be with their children. And I, I wish I could live two lives because I feel torn, so torn. It's hard both ways. And then when they're thinking about pivoting and kind of layering in some more, I would say like work outside of the home, I I'm I'm blown away by how much they're underestimating who they are. And I just I just want to give encouragement that that as like a, a there is so much raw talent and that you have that um that can be tapped into there is so much around having good judgment around feeling like um you've got some you know everybody has gifts they are you know need to share with the world and i think that getting um figuring out a way to kind of be encouraged and encourage yourself, whether that's affirmations for me, I do affirmations. <laughs> I really will. Like Louise Hay has these little affirmation cards. I pull them out and I just like say them to myself. I love um, that. Whatever Wait, it is who, that who you makes can them do. again? Louise Hay, I think is her name. And, and it's like, I found them on Amazon a while ago and I've given them as gifts. I can send you, I'll, I'll tell, I'll let you know, so you can put them in the show notes. But, um, but I think just writing something down about like, about sort of what you feel good about and, and reminding yourself that, and also reminding yourself that we all are, I, I will tell you that I am super insecure about, um, figuring out how to do social media. I, it's like a complete mystery for me. And I feel like, you know, for as much as I've accomplished, like we all have these these, like we've all accomplished so much in, in life. And then we all have these areas where we just feel like we're not in flow or we don't have the strength. And, and, um, and so for me, it's like figuring out how to do Instagram. Like I, like, I feel like, you know, you, you really, for as much as you are, you're really nobody until you have an Instagram account. And it's, it's terrible that we think that way, but as a person who's building a business, that's a digitally native company, you know, it's, it's real. And so I'm trying to figure it out. And there's just a lot of vulnerability there. And I think, um, remembering that we're all in this, we're all in this, that we all have all of these self-doubt feelings. But I think if you can find ways to shore yourself up, um, you know, it will, it will get you to that next step. And then putting one foot in front of the other is just, is big because you will find that the, the world will start responding to you and, um, and great things can happen. Well, you have been so, so inspirational and I, I really appreciate you taking time to talk to me today, Jessica. Thank you so much. And, um, it, it, even though you're scared of social media, you don't love it so much. Tell us where we can follow you and find you. Obviously love every is your website, but tell us where we can track you down. Yeah. So it's at love every, um, on Instagram and we have, it's L O V E V E R Y. And then I am Jessica Rolf at Jessica Rolf. So give me feedback, DM me, let me know, give me words of encouragement <laughs> and I will, I will give them back to you. Oh, I'm sure you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you so much again. And guys, as um, we mentioned, we're going to put anything we mentioned or talked about here in the show in show notes so you can find all of that stuff and more. Jessica, thank you again so much. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Sunny. So great to be with you. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I so loved talking with Jessica, not only about her company, but also about making a new and fresh start. We are all um, going to face a chapter of reinvention in our lives at one point or another. And Jessica just so gracefully described and so inspirationally described how she was able to do that uh, with her career, letting her passion 
pave the way. So thank you to Jessica for taking time to do this. Like I said, you can check out Love Every online. Their website is loveeverybaby.com. That's L-O-V-E-V-E-R-Y baby.com. They're on Instagram at Love Every. I am on Instagram too. Don't forget to follow me there. Lots of um, lots of really fun DMs. I love talking to you guys um, on Instagram stories all the time. Just kind of uh, daily rants and funny things that happen. So don't forget to follow me there. Rate, review, and subscribe. That actually makes a huge difference. I know you hear us say that all the time, but guys, that really helps these episodes get out to people who might enjoy them or find them useful. So please do that. I'd be so grateful. And I will see you back here next week with good stuff. So stay safe, stay sane, stay healthy, and I will see you next time on 30-something. See ya.